This is Fireproof Your Retirement with Michael J. Markey, Jr. Fireproof Your Retirement is 30 minutes of real questions, real concepts, and real answers. Michael's passion is to teach listeners the same thing he's taught clients and prospects, how to take control of their money. It's been this philosophy which has garnished Michael and his firm Legacy Financial Network national attention. In 2010, AM Best featured them as one of the top 10 most innovative agencies in the country. In 2014, Insurance Newsnet magazine featured Michael as a local celebrity and life health pro, named him hero of the insurance industry. Michael's even been given the Moving America Forward Award by William Shatner. Now here's your host, Michael J. Markey Jr. All right, and welcome back. I want to thank everyone for joining us again today. To everyone who's coming back, thank you. And to those of you who have just stumbled upon this show, I want to encourage you to enjoy. Sit back. I'm telling you, we're going to have some fun. It's not often you're going to say we're going to talk about money and have some fun, but I'm telling you today, we can have some fun by talking about money. So thank you to all of our new listeners on WJRW News Talk, 1340 AM here in Grand Rapids, WLDN. Uh, 97.7 FM up in Ludington, and of course, WFUR 102.9 FM right here in West Michigan as well. So thank you to everyone for joining us. This is the show where our hope, our passion, our goal, I'm telling you, this is, it sounds weird every time we say it, at least the first time we say it, first time you hear it, but our goal, our passion, I'm telling you, it's to change your life. It's to change your life by changing the way you look at money. It's a lofty goal, but I'm telling you, we can do it because too many people look at money the wrong way. We fight, we argue. It destroys relationships sometimes. Here's the thing. Money doesn't have meaning. If money had meaning, people on their deathbed or shortly before would share with family, friends, loved ones, kids, how fulfilled their life has been by how large their investments had grown to. Nobody says that. Why? Because it's not true. You won't get fulfilled because of how large your investments have grown to. That doesn't make money evil, but what it means is that money doesn't have any meaning, but it does have purpose, and its purpose is to give or to spend. That's it. So we want to help focus to clarify the goals that people have with money because it will change your life. And some of the things we need to do is start looking and, and planning with money differently. We find so often that people don't have anything set aside for emergencies. Maybe they have 500 bucks or $1,000, and I'm telling you right now that's not enough because when you have lower levels of liquidity, lower levels of saving, it increases your cost of living. I'll give you an example. I was going through Walmart the other day, and for some reason, my... Um, my wife and I, we ended up with a pool a few years ago. We bought a foreclosure. I'm not trying to sound uh, unappreciative, but we bought a, a house on foreclosure. It had an in-ground cement pool. So it's just one of those things that, and it was in good shape. So you're, you know, never wanted a pool, but hey, now I got a pool. So I'm in the pool supply aisle and I see the first uh, canister. It's got about five pounds and I think it was 17 or 18 bucks. Then I see the next canister, it's 10 pounds and it's only about $25. And then the next one, was 25 or 30 pounds and it was 50 bucks. In other words, 10 times the amount of chlorine. 
No, I'm sorry, not 10 times. The first canister was five pounds. The next was uh, 25 pounds or 30. So five to six times the amount of chlorine. But the small guy was 17 or 18 bucks. And the big guy was 50. It was three times the cost, but five to six times the amount. See what happens if you don't have money set aside and you only have a very, very tight budget. When you see that type of discrepancy, you're still forced to into buying the small guy. Or if you're putting it on Visa, you put it on Visa and then they charge you 15, 20% and there goes your savings. So I don't, I don't want to get sidetracked here. Um, I want to talk about 401ks today um, and retirement plans. So when I say 401k, by the way, I'm referring to essentially any type of employer-sponsored retirement plan for today's conversation. One of the questions that people ask me all the time is what do I invest in? Hey, you know, I'm not getting a whole lot of advice in my 401k. They've got reps that we can meet with, but what should I buy? Now, a couple of things that why do the reps that you can meet with maybe um, not do as good of a job as what you would hope? Well, how on earth can they? You're given what, maybe a half hour, hour access to them? Can they really know about all those uh, things going on in your life? Um, Long-term goals, can they really build you a plan? No. So what ends up happening is they kind of give you short-sighted advice, and then you can see that it's not as thorough as you want, and then you discredit it. So a 401k oftentimes is going to be a situation where there's not a lot of good access to quality advice. That doesn't make those plans bad. I'm not saying anything bad about the reps that service those, but they've got thousands of participants that they're trying to work with. It's just kind of a flawed system. So plan on in these employer plans that you're going to kind of be your own captain. You're going to steer your own ship. So what to buy there? I'm a big believer, and it's proven mathematically, that some of the things you should buy are probably index funds. Um, So we look through there. We're going to dive in there. Now, on the options that you can buy, so the different things within your 401k plan that you can buy, they all have these five letters at the end of the mutual fund. Those five letters are called a ticker symbol. Now, a ticker symbol is kind of like the DNA of your mutual fund. So you can take that ticker symbol, you can do a quick Google search, go to Morningstar, by the way, that's Morningstar.com, and you can find what does this thing do. Now, for growth, because in an employer plan, regardless of your age, you should have some, or most will have some, allocated towards growth. And so the amount that you're going to have allocated towards growth you can do one of a few ways. Number one, we can use an index fund, or number two, you can try to wade through different mutual funds and try to pick the right one. I'm gonna come back to that later about some of the um, pitfalls that you might face when trying to pick individual mutual funds. So to avoid that, I'm gonna start the conversation today with looking at index funds. Now maybe you're listening going, hey, what's You keep saying index fund. What on earth is an index fund? An index fund is a fund that's going to track. It's going to follow, mirror, mimic an index. One of the most common indexes you're going to find is the S&P 500. That's going to be a really good growth index. And the reason I say that is when you look at different mutual funds, oftentimes they'll compare their performance to something else. And growth mutual funds will often compare their performance to the S&P 500. Now, some will beat long-term. Some will beat the S&P 500. 
but a lot won't. Most, statistically it's proven, most will not. So you can try to wade through that, those waters. You can try to pick the one which is in the minority, and I mean the small minority group, that might, might outperform the index. Or you can say, you know what, I probably won't outperform the index. Murphy's Law says I won't pick the right fund, and I'll pick the loser group since that is the majority. And so instead, just go with the index fund. So for our clients, what we share with people often is when we're using a growth fund with 401k dollars, we're going to use something that mimics, that follows the S&P 500. The S&P 500, you turn on the news, they talk about what the stock market did today. That's the S&P 500. So it's a good index to use. A lot of people ask me, why is it called the S&P 500? Well, that stands for Standard & Poor's, and it's 500 companies. Now, it's not the 500 biggest, baddest, oldest companies in America. The idea is to make those companies about 80% represent, represent, uh, representative of our economy. Now, it's a little bit difficult sometimes because you'll have tech companies, and tech companies are gonna go in the NASDAQ, and you got some of the really big, big old companies, manufacturing, the top 30, those are in the Dow. So it does create some conflicts, but pretty good rule of thumb is the S&P 500, 500 companies that will be, it's going to be a, um, about 80% representative of the US economy. So there's your growth fund. But how much growth and how much safe should you have? So we call that red money and green money. There's a simple rule of thumb. and. So I'm trying to give you advice here to be able to do this stuff on yourself. If you need individual help and you're not getting it, understand you can call us. We've got a local team. We're here in Holland, Grand Rapids, Norton Shores. So you can come in. We can work with you on these things. Give us a call, 616-589-4004. 616-589-4004. So we call it red money, green money. That's um, you know at risk money, safer money. How much should you have? The typical rule of thumb, and again, it's just a baseline, is what they call the rule of 100. That means take 100 minus your age, that's how much you should have at risk. 30 years old, 100 minus 30, have 70 in red. What do you use for red? Use the S&P 500 index. You always gotta have a safety net though. I'll have people argue with me and they go, well, look though, Mike, look at your long-term rate of return. Look at how much you're not gonna make on that 30% that you put into a green fund. And a green fund is something that didn't lose more than 5% any time that we can find. Um, in your 401k, it's probably gonna be called a stable fund, maybe a fixed fund. Don't go purely by name though. If it says like a bond fund, that may not be green. So look under um, the categories of stable or fixed. So for growth, index, go try to find something at S&P 500 for growth. For the green, stable or fixed, go percentage based on age, rule of 100. So if you need help with that, again, guys, we can help. We're local. Um, we've helped a lot of families. We love walking that journey with people. Give us a call, 616-589-4004, 616-589-4004. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Mike Markey is full of information, but as you probably already know, he gets so excited to give out that information that he speaks at about 900 words per minute with gusts up to 1,300. 
Now's your chance to get that information at your own pace. Mike has written a book called Fireproof Your Retirement, which can be found on Amazon. It covers many of the same topics we cover during the show, including income planning, asset allocation, gifting, taxes, and much more. As you know, Mike is all about paying it forward. That is why 100% of the proceeds go to local fire departments. Once again, that's Fireproof Your Retirement by Michael Markey, which can be found on Amazon.com. All right, and welcome back. You're listening to Fireproof Your Retirement. I am your host, Michael Markey. Now, before the break, we were talking about 401ks. Now, I want you to remember, for today, when I refer to a 401k, I mean any employer type of plan. So people will often say, well, how much red, how much green should I have? And if you're just joining us, red meant at-risk dollars, green means safer dollars. You're going to hear that for the new markets where you're going to hear me say red and green a lot. It's an easy way to remember uh, at-risk and safer. By the way, one isn't good, one isn't bad. Red just goes up, it goes down, doesn't make it bad. That's just what it does. And by the way, red will grow over time more than green because that's what it's designed to do. But so often people say, well, how much red should I have? How much green? And they'll ask their advisor and that advisor will make a fundamental error. He or she will say, well, well, here's how much you should have. And then, you know, and they'll, it'll be mostly red. And then the, you know, the individual goes, well, boy, that seems like a lot at risk. And the advisor goes, yeah, but if you don't have all this money at risk, look, look at how much over 20 or 30 years you're losing. And they'll show you this chart and they'll be like, look, here's the risk area and here's the conservative. And look at how much more you have here. When we use rate of return as a reason to take more risk, it's flawed. It's a fundamental error because here's the deal. Here's how we get hurt. Here's how people get hurt with risky dollars. Not because they're risky, but because they used them incorrectly. We get hurt when you lose a job. No, I'm sorry. We get hurt. I got ahead of myself. We get hurt when we need to use dollars, at-risk dollars, red dollars, when the market is down. Now, if you lose your employment, if you don't have any green dollars and you lose your employment, when do you typically lose employment? If you're a good employee, well, you kind of lose it based on one of three reasons. Your health goes bad, the market goes bad, your attitude goes bad, right? Health, markets, attitudes. I'm telling you, it's almost always this way. Health, markets, attitude. So if your health goes bad, and you've got everything in red money, it might be fine, but if the markets are down, if things are down and your health goes bad, you need to replace income, that's bad. It's compounding. It's two problems at once. The, you know, my 300,000 in my 401k is now 200,000 and I got to take out of it. Not good. If your market goes bad and you lose your job, well, why would you lose your job when the market's bad? Well, I don't know. Here's why. When the markets are down, fewer people are buying things, right? So when fewer people buy things, employers think they need fewer people helping fewer people buy things. And then they get rid of people. And who do they get rid of first? I call them newbies and oldbies. So if you're new on the job, they get rid of you. If you're an oldbie, I'm not saying you're an oldbie. I'm just saying they might look at you that way. They get rid of you too. And that's one of the most dangerous things that happen. Newbies get in trouble because they put nothing aside. And when the markets go bad, they lose their job. Boom, moving back in with mom and dad. Not exactly a great thing. Older people, maybe in our 60s, they get in trouble because the market goes bad, the 400,000 in the 401k becomes 200,000, then wham, they lose their job. And then what happens? They gotta take the pension or social security, they gotta take it early, that's not enough, so they gotta supplement it with, with, um, 
withdrawals out of their 401k. So what does that mean? When you put dollars in red that if anything changes in your life you've got to use, then you're risking those dollars. You're risking dollars you can't afford to, to risk because if the things, if the market goes down and the things don't look good and you got to use those, that's when you're going to get hurt. But why, why did it work when you were 40? So many people go, Mike, you know, I, when I was 40, I just, I closed my eyes and I was fine. Yeah, because if you lose your job at 40, you don't even think about dipping into your 401k. It doesn't even occur to you. You're like, uh-uh, nope. I'm going to go get another job. I don't care if I have to flip fries, but I got a mortgage. I got kids. I got, you know, I got all this stuff they want. I'm not dipping into my retirement yet. I'll go get back to work. But when you're 62, hmm, things change a little bit. When you're 32 and you got no other um, safety net, you don't have that choice, that option. So make sure we put dollars in red, red and green, not based on rate of return, but based on the purpose of those dollars. If they will be needed for income, if things change, if life changes, because I'm going to tell you what right now, the moment you think you've got life figured out, life will change. So if you're putting, we use red over green or green over red, not based on rate of return or risk or fees, but based on the purpose of those dollars and what changes are you willing to make in your life if the markets look bad? Because I'm going to tell you what, the math doesn't look bad. The markets don't look bad often, but when they do, you won't see it coming and it's never at a good time ever. So make sure you have some in green, a safety net, even if it's in the 401k to plan for the unexpected. Now, when we come back, we're going to take one more quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about target date funds, mutual funds, layering, why we talked about before uh, in the first segment, um, why we said index funds are oftentimes better for people. And I'm going to do a little bit of math to show you, you got to start putting money away now. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Thanks for being with us. Look forward to seeing you here in a minute. There are 96 different months you could file for Social Security benefits. There's over 9,000 combinations if you are married. But that's not all. There's advanced filing strategies that can also be used. By the time you factor it all in, there's over 20,000 calculations that need to be run to find the best way to file for Social Security benefits. To request your free Social Security Maximization Report from Legacy Financial Network, visit us online at LegacyFinancialNetwork.com. You will know exactly what to do and exactly when to do it. Okay, and welcome back for our third and final segment. I want to thank everybody for joining us today for Fireproof Your Retirement, especially in our new venues, our new markets, WLDN, up there in Ludington, all the way up there in Ludington, 97.7 FM, and right here in West Michigan, WFUR. I know you guys have been with us forever. Thank you guys, and WJRW, News Talk, 1340 AM. Thank you, everyone. Um, so before... Before the break, we started talking about how much to have in red, that's at risk, how much to have in green. And we said, make sure you always have something put away for the unknowns. And a lot of people, um, that's gonna be within the 401k. But I wanna tell you right now um, that we gotta have dollars outside of the 401k for emergencies. Lower levels of liquidity, lower levels of savings, like we started the show off today. Lower levels of saving increases your cost of living. Another example is I meet people all the time my age, a little bit younger, and they'll be very proud. They'll say, well, I got 80, 90, $100,000 in my 401k. And I'll say, cool, 
Well, how much do you have in your savings and checking? We got like 50 bucks. Really? Why? Well, you don't make anything in savings and checking. Huh. There's credit unions around here that you can make 3%. Just got to follow the rules. There's just rules. Why don't you follow the rules? They're like, well, I didn't know. Hmm. 3% is kind of cool with no risk. Up to 15000 with some of these credit unions. They go, well, the 3% is still not that big. I go, what do you think of, I don't know, 8 to 12%? Is that good enough? They go, yeah, that'd be great. If I could get 8 to 12%, I would definitely put money in green. I would definitely save. And I go, well, you know what? And by the way, if you hear me making voices like that, it's because I'm at the tail end of the millennials and I love making fun of millennials. Sorry if you're listening to millennial, but it's fun. I'm telling you, it's fun. Try it. And it's okay because it's self-deprecating. But so I'll say, well, wait a minute. If you were saving a little bit more, you could pay your car insurance in full. Are you paying it monthly, quarterly, or annually? And the most common answer I get, somebody will go, well, monthly. I go, huh. You know, if you pay your car insurance annually, you save eight to 12%. That's with no risk. That's an I know so. That's not an I hope so. That's an I know so. So trust me, lower levels of saving, and I could give you more examples, but I want to continue to go on about the 401k. Lower levels of saving leads to an increased cost of living. So earlier in the show, we talked about index funds. I said, as a majority, statistically, index funds will outperform the funds that try to outperform the index. So when a fund says, well, you know, it'll say, what does it use as its benchmark? Important word, benchmark. That's what that fund, if you're trying to pick a mutual fund, that it's what it competes against, okay? So the benchmark in this case, what we use today was the S&P 500. So you'll find some mutual funds in your 401k that say they are going to use the S&P 500 as their benchmark. And you can try to pick one that'll do better, but statistically, most will do worse. Statistically, most mutual funds will underperform their benchmark. So one of the things that we look for in there is what I call layering. And this is really where you need the advice or the help of a professional because you can do it yourself, but most, it gets a little bit more complicated and some of the tools you need may not be available to you because sometimes a mutual fund will buy another mutual fund. You're supposed to read this thing called a prospectus, but very few people will. Now, a lot of people don't read the prospectus because they don't get it. And that doesn't make you stupid. You know, I always think with prospectuses, I get reminded of when I got married and I had downloaded a Bible app on my phone. And one night my, my wife and I, we were talking about a passage and she said, well, I think it means this. And she was kind of, here's how I took and what I took away from it. And I looked at her, I'm like, I didn't get that at all. What are you reading? She goes, what do you mean? What am I reading? What are you reading? She looks at my phone and she sees that I had the King James version. And she's like, well, no kidding. You didn't get it. The same thing I did. You have all these, you know, it just, it's not in your, um, what'd she say? Oh, I had somebody else put it. They said your native dialect. And she, they're absolutely right. It took a lot of reading to be able to start understanding it. And it was hard sometimes to be motivated. A prospectus is the same thing. It's not in your native dialect. And it's really hard to be motivated to read it enough to get it. But inside that prospectus, it says what that mutual fund can buy. And most mutual funds, at least all the ones I've seen, say they can buy stocks, bonds, or other mutual funds. Now, when you buy another mutual fund, that mutual fund that it buys within the first mutual fund, that second one within it also has a fee. But that fee doesn't show up on the fee report you do on the first mutual fund. 
And here's where it gets kind of scary. If you buy mutual fund A and mutual fund A within it buys mutual fund B and mutual fund B within it buys mutual fund C and mutual fund C within it buys D. Holy cow, a fee on a fee on a fee on a fee. Sounds like a song, but they add up. And that's one of the things, reasons why we say if you don't have the expertise, if you don't have somebody helping you, then go with index funds or target date fund. Most advisors don't like target date funds. I don't like target date funds. There's some big limitations with them. But if you're not getting much advice or any advice or good advice, and if you're in the employer-sponsored plan, as we said at the beginning, it's going to be hard to get any good advice or, yeah, to get quality advice. So in that case, then a target date fund is a pretty good option. So what a target date fund does, it says, what is the date you want to retire? So if you're younger, maybe it's 2040. And you pick a fund that says 2040. Here's how most people screw it up. They go, well, hmm, I'm going to buy a 2040 fund, but I might work a little bit longer, so I'll buy a 2050 fund. And then later they buy a 2030 fund. And they think by having a 2030 and a 2040 and a 2050 that somehow not all their eggs are in one basket and that they're better off. But a target date fund doesn't work that way because you're going to end up getting a lot of overlap. Overlap meaning the things within there that they buy. So you get the illusion of diversification because you're buying these different things. But they're probably oftentimes buying a lot of the same things. So when you buy a, a target date fund, it's designed to be standalone. It's designed to over time shift you from red to green. The downside to it is those decisions to go from red to green, they were made oftentimes when the fund was created. So if you take a 2040 fund and you buy it in 2010, some of those decisions could be made 10, 20, and 30 years prior to the implementation. And they're going to make those decisions regardless of what's going on in the overall markets. So that's where they get dangerous. But it's a good option if you don't have really any other choices. If you don't have individual advice, then it's a good option. I want to finish today's show talking about to encourage you guys to start putting away. Um, number one, we got to put away in savings and checking. Too many people listening, too many people I meet, they've got $500 or $1,000 put aside. They've got nothing then set aside for emergencies. As we always tell people, $5,000 away. That's what you need. First and foremost, five grand away. In my book, I would rather see people do that first than put in the 401k because it allows you to pay cash for your car insurance. It allows you when something's on sale that you're going to buy anyway. If you were going to buy it, then it doesn't help if it's on sale. Don't buy things just because they're on sale. That doesn't help. But if you're going to buy it anyway, it's on sale. We have a 30% rule in our family. 30% or more, we buy it. Even if it's toilet paper. Two, we'll have two carts of toilet paper if it's 30% on sale or more. So the idea here is if you have five grand, it allows you to do that. When you have a thousand bucks, maybe you do it, but it goes on Visa. It really doesn't save you any money when you do that. So five grand put away. But you do have to start saving. Now, some people will find out that, you know what, they keep having this goal, keep having this goal, keep having this goal to put five grand away, and they never really get closer. And that tells you you've got a behavioral issue that we got to work on. But if you're doing this yourself, you know what, then not saying give up, but use your own strengths. And one of those strengths is if you don't have the money, you don't spend it. Meaning if you get it taken out first, it goes in the 401k or in the employer plan. If it doesn't come into your paycheck, then you won't spend it. Most of you listening, if your paycheck cut by 10%, you don't suddenly start missing payments on your bills. So if we increase your contributions to your 401k by a little bit, it really adds up. I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, well, it's not that big of a deal. 
my husband just changed jobs and you know and I go boy I bet you he really wished he would have put away in the 401k and they said no I don't think so he wouldn't have cared and I go really it could have been impactful by now and they said nope I go how long did he work there she said 15 years so it was 15 years and I go seriously 15 years at two page or a paycheck every two weeks that's 26 paychecks a year if they had put 50 bucks away that's $1,300 a year times 15 years is 19,500 without growth that's called 20 grand without growth principal with just a little bit of growth that's what 25 or 30 grand in their particular situation, 25 or 30 grand would have been a big deal, a big step up, but they're still at zero. So if you're somebody listening right now who's not putting anything away, $50 a paycheck can add up. Do it. Start it. If you're somebody who's having trouble saving, I'm going to tell you what right now, you need help. You need coaching. If you're somebody who has an employer plan and you got dollars outside the employer plan and you got an advisor who's willing to help you with the dollars outside the employer plan, but they're not giving you any advice on the dollars within the employer plan, I got to tell you. I don't know when that became acceptable in our industry where we will give advice on the things we're paid for, but the things that we're not, we'll, we're going to ignore. If that's happening to you, I'm telling you, give us a chance. We're local. We're here in West Michigan, Grand Rapids, Norton Shores, Holland, 616-589-4004. 616-589-4004. Until next week, I am your host, Michael Markey, and this has been another episode of Fireproof Your Retirement. God bless. This has been Fireproof Your Retirement. For more information, contact Michael J. Markey Jr. of Legacy Financial Network. Call toll-free at 855-LF-NETWORK or online at LegacyFinancialNetwork.com. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Mike Markey and Legacy Financial Network are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency.